This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey, traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step Trader, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk with traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. This week, we're going to be talking with Pauli Franco, a.k.a. SPZ Trader, SPZ Trader, and a uh, great following he has here on Twitter. I uh, had the opportunity to sort of pick his brain, talk about the Forex, talk about the overnight, uh, talk about gold, European sessions versus U.S. sessions. And uh, well, right now, I've got my good friend and my fellow broadcaster, all the way from the West Coast, Sean McFarlane. Hi, Sean. How you doing? How you doing, Eddie? Very nice to have you here, and well, throughout the week, you are my uh, my broadcast buddy as we sort of go through all the markets and uh, breaking news, breaking stories and such for daytime traders. Now, mm -hmm. Paulie, uh, a.k.a. SPZ Trader, likes that overnight session, likes to look at that overnight session. I know that uh, we've got him coming up here in the podcast, and I know that you like to look at that overnight session also. So, uh, Sean, uh, without further ado, let's get into this podcast with uh, Pauly Franco, a.k.a. Twitter's SPZ Trader. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, let's do it. I've got Pauly Franco with us here today. Pauly's a discretionary professional trader targeting price levels and zones with the inclusion of the Fibonacci lines to enhance probabilities. Uh, Pauly's market focus, he looks at the Forex, crude oil, gold, and the S&P trading style. He likes the Fibonacci's tracements, and I'd like to welcome Pauly Franco. Hi, Pauly. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Now, uh, Pauly, uh, I uh, got the word that uh, you're going to do the podcast with us, and I, I did a little research, and I'm like, wait a minute. I know who Paul is. Paul, you're uh, you're pretty big on Twitter. You've got a, a big following on Twitter, uh, sharing your trades, sharing your charts, which, which I think is pretty cool, and I've, I've followed that and uh, uh, been very impressed with uh, the way you see the market. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much. Now, now if we could, can we talk a little bit how you got started and how you built yourself up to a long-term trader? Oh, okay. Uh, I started trading FX uh, about 2008, 2009. I had traded futures, but uh, one of the things that I liked about uh, FX at the time, now everything's almost 24 hours basically, but I did like that it was available like overnight. And I'm a super, super early bird. I, I like the idea of a the at the time doesn't seem like it's a big deal now, but that your your trading opportunities were expanded. You weren't limited to U.S. hours, so I was able to get up overnight, and I kept getting up even earlier and earlier. And I had liked you know trading the European uh, time zone for for a while. That's pretty much all I would go on and trade was the European time zone. Uh, but that's how I got started. And I uh, what happened was I, I uh, got on Twitter. And I just uh, started following a few people. Uh, Blake Morrill, he's been a huge impact uh, in my tr uh, trading. Um, uh, other people like uh, 50 Pips, um, Sell Puts. And it's funny, back then at the time, uh, people always say that 
I mean, way back then. People were more helpful on Twitter. Uh, you didn't see all these little Twitter wars. People, you could actually ask people, um, even big traders, uh, very seasoned traders, experienced traders, ask them, and they'd, they'd go over their strategy, what they're looking at. And uh, uh, little by little, I just started going a little bit more experience and, and uh, looking at, at uh, price structure. And uh, over time, I would start to share my charts. And when I started sharing my charts, uh, really just for informational purposes, but I'd share the charts just to share what I was looking at. And uh, little by little, uh, I guess I started to get uh, a little bit of a decent following on Twitter. And um, eventually, I, uh, in time, migrated to doing a webinar, which I do for WiseTrade. Uh, Wise uh, and when I first started, it was... Uh, Call, I was doing it at 5 a.m. Central Standard Time. It used to be called the European Crossover. And uh, I was doing that for about, I think, a year and a half or two years, and then uh, I ended up uh, taking over Blake Morrow. That's Pipsar. I think most of you all know him. Uh, he moved on, so I ended up taking over his slot, which is the morning edge. I do that from 6 a.m. to um, uh, 8 a.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. And in that, we cover primarily the, the majors, you know, of FX, and, uh, of course, the dollar index, and I cover uh, gold, uh, boons, uh, DAX, and uh, the crude, I just do a little bit of technical analysis on there. But we do do some analysis for intraday levels on uh, the S&Ps and the NASDAQ as well. You are the early bird. My goodness. I think I'm, uh, I'm walking out the door probably when you're just sort of uh, starting your broadcast. But like you said, you did the overnight. Um, now, mm -hmm. yeah, I noticed also, I mean, we all noticed, you come in in the morning here, if you're a day trader, uh, turn your charts on, see where the, the morning uh, morning markets are. And, you know, here on my broadcast, too, it's I'll, I'll stress the point, you know, hey, we've got a morning low or a morning high, um, you know, mm -hmm. and then I can bring in the picture the 24-hour chart. But um, the ranges, is was the range, I mean, ranges, it seems like... Uh, uh, the overnight the, is is not policed, if, if you know what I mean. It seems like the morning uh, more is a shorter range, uh, got control. You've got uh, more people playing tug and tug tug of war. Now, mm -hmm. um, was that attractive to you? No, seeing these ranges that uh, you know during the day trade, you know, we don't even sometimes get close to where it traded on the twenty four. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it comes and goes. I've seen times when. Uh, you know, Sean might know that he's, he was saying he trades the, or follows the European time zone. There's times when the, the European time zone is leading and basically setting up the trades for the U.S., and then sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes the U.S. time zone is, is pulling the uh, the European uh, markets uh, by the nose ring. Uh, but you do see good setups and moves um, in FX because you obviously, uh, and I'm talking about the euro specifically, uh, as well as the, as the pound because you get a lot of good economic reports, their main economic reports, and you set up some initial ranges and you see the same thing with gold, although you see gold uh, usually expand its range further in the U.S. session. Uh, same thing to a certain extent with the euro because right now everything's being driven so much by U.S. yields. So even though the euro was, you know, for a while hanging up there in those upper levels, uh, we certainly got dragged down uh, with the euro as U.S. yields continue to expand and then the dollar index, you know, started moving higher and higher at that point and started going and break out. But I posted charts about a couple of months ago or eight, six weeks ago indicating that, you know, when the euro was at 123 and just pushing up, it would hit up around 124 and then it could start to come back down and hang around 123 and the dollar index would get, you know, whacked uh, intraday to a certain extent 
But the dollar Swiss was one that was holding, you know, still, you know, diverging higher, holding its own, and kept telling people referred to it as the canary in the coal mine. And now I'd flip it back the other way. Now what we've been focusing is on is the daily close on the dollar Swiss at par 35, and we have not been able to do it, even though the dollar index has moved to new highs. So I question at this point it's not. Wouldn't say it's negatively diverging because that'd be too strong a word, but it's certainly raising a, uh, a caution flag, and it's not confirming this new upward price here in the cash dollar index now at this point. So I think that the cash dollar index could be susceptible for a reasonable pullback at this point. Right. You know, one of the things that's one of the bigger focuses here in the market, I mean, ending 2017, it was, uh, there really wasn't a clear indication where the market wanted to go. But once we kicked into 2018, uh, you know, we saw the volatility just sort of take off. And uh, uh, what I wanted to ask you about is uh, the dollar. You're mentioning the dollar here, dollar uh, driving much, much higher this year than uh, last year's decline. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, as I mentioned before, is uh, when the, you know, I look, one of the things we do on the show is when we first come on, it's a two-hour show, we take a quick overview of the charts and what happened overnight, very, very quick. Then we go into, we look at the economic reports that came, uh, you know, during the European time session, and then what's coming into the U.S. session, and then we cover some news. And one of the things I've been covering for about the last, oh, five weeks or six weeks, people knew that, is the German data, German retail sales, German uh, confidence was really falling apart. And that's why the euro was hanging around here at 123, and I was kept telling people, look, you know, the euro keeps coming back. The same way the dollar right now is doing the same thing. It doesn't take barely a dip, and it's right back up near the highs. And I kept telling people, I go, I just don't see, you know, the catalyst to drive us higher. Germany's supposed to be the economic hub of the Eurozone. How is the, the confidence numbers, the retail sales all falling apart? How are we going to take another extended leg? So eventually, we, you know, uh, the market started going and roll back. I kind of feel the same thing with the dollar this morning. We had a great Philly Fed number. Um, and one of the things I told the people to focus on, and we didn't get that much of a reaction, was I said, hey, take a look at the new orders. We want to look at new orders and prices paid. New orders came in at 40.60, blowing away last month at 18.4. Right. The dollar index, the dollar index didn't, even, didn't even make marginal highs. Now, the bonds went lower, so I kind of think, and now, like I told you, I affectionately call that the canary in the coal mine, which is the dollar Swiss. We're not getting that daily close above part 35, so unless we get a daily close above part 35, I don't see how the dollar can make another extended leg. But a lot of people got, have been hurt you know, with the dollar, uh, you know, trying to sell the dollar, and a lot of those trades were evened out. And I think this next move, um, I think that uh, people are concerned. They don't want to put their toe in the water just yet. A couple of days ago, I was, I was uh, um, uh, selling the dollar, actually buying the euro on dips, and I was more luckier than good. And as the dollar, as the bond started to break even lower, I just had to jump out and take my, you know, take my uh, hit right there, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I had the sense enough to say, you know what, I can't be in this trade right now. So the gains that I'd made on the, my little day trades in the morning ended up giving that that up and a little bit more. But I sure am glad I'm, I'm I was out. But uh, we, like I said, most of our trades are focused on. Uh, we look at a two to three day outlook, but our bias chart support and resistance are set up for the next 24 hours. And so right now on the cash dollar index. We've got a resistance at 
but uh, at this point, I just don't, you know, the dollar's not adding on. It's basically uh, we're at a point of diminishing returns. The bonds keep going lower, but the dollar's not making, you know, newer highs. I think the dollar should be actually around 94 if you look with the, where the 30-year bonds are, and I look at that versus the 10-year note. And it's not, so I just think that it's susceptible. Doesn't mean it will, but it's susceptible for a reasonable pullback here. And I think that I'm looking at the dollar Swiss, and until we get a, a daily close on the dollar Swiss above par 35, I would question this because the dollar Swiss is what led the led the dollar out of the forest. And right now, the dollar Swiss is not confirming this new upper move in the dollar at this point. Paul, what do you think is going to be driving the rest of 2018? Where do you think we're going to be going with this? Now, uh, one of the things I want to just point out is that uh, some of our economic numbers aren't as effective as they are. More uh, with comments coming from, uh, we'll say, the crude uh, oil ministers and uh, prime ministers and uh, countries. We're really seeing some market movements on that. But what are you looking down the road? Uh, where can you take us? Yeah, the only thing, I, I think everything's so short-term oriented, uh, even when you're looking further out, everything's so short-term oriented. I think that a lot of people, I didn't, you know, I didn't think the dollar would, would uh, let me put it this way, I look more in the, in the sense of the euro. I thought the euro, I remember telling people back then, I thought, hey, the euro can pull back to 121, might even make 120. I'm surprised it came down this far, but it just shows you when, you know, people get on the wrong side of the tracks and, and uh, the market keeps on going and, and it's just like a, a flood and you can't stop it no matter how much you just do. You try and stand in front of it, you get rolled over. And uh, But that being said, now the focus is back, even though people were not paying that much attention, focus is back on these U.S. rates and uh, what the Fed is looking at. And, and it sounds like it's simple. It's not, though. I think that um, I keep thinking that we'll start to see a little bit of a slowdown. But until we uh, until we get, you know, when you look at the jobless claims, it's almost like a reinforcing factor. It's like, how can you uh, dispute where we're going as far as the concerns with the Fed and U.S. interest rates as long as we, we continue to stay upper in this area? The only thing that's kept us in uh, place has we just haven't seen wage gain growth so it's kind of like okay i think the fed can't do anything they don't want to do anything overboard until we see that and i think that that's the driving factor the only thing i will say is, man i'm surprised um crude has been able to stay up at this area we had 71.92 as a 161 percent extension and that was holding the market in now we're above it but i mean I don't honestly, and now we're below it. We're 71.89 right now, and uh, we had a resistance this morning, but we'd already hit it at 72.20. I don't see how crude can stay up here because at the end of the day, you still have to look at the fundamentals. And when I see the dollar price where it's at, despite what they're saying, and OPEC's going to do this and control all this uh, amount of supply, you, you still, I, I, to me, I think that the market still has to pare back just to factor in the strength of the dollar. And I don't think the dollar's going anywhere. I think the dollar will correct some here, but I think anyone's, I think if people be uh, willing to buy the dollar, uh, another 100, 125, but I, I would say really realistically about 120, 135, 150 pips lo lower, and they'll buy the dollar, I think, with both hands. And uh, at this point, I don't see... I don't see how uh, crude oil can stay up at these upper levels. I, I just don't. I just think we need a, a reasonable pullback, but we'll see what happens. But I think it's going to be the concerns of the Fed, and that those will be the short-term drivers of the market. Polly, let me ask you, credibility of OPEC, what's your take on that? You know, so far, uh, 
You know, so far the market the market is showing that it's willing to believe what they're saying, and I think one of the reasons I don't, it may not be, and I think the credibility so far has been okay. They've, I think what's happened is they're looking at their pocketbook and saying, "Hey, look, as long as we stick to this, we're getting paid, and we're getting paid, and we're getting paid, you know, handsomely with that." But uh, I think that uh, more importantly than their credibility, uh, and that certainly has had some impact, but I think it's been, uh, uh, um, uh, you know. Well, confirming thing of what they're seeing and not so much the credibility is because the, the, the overall global economy seems to be improving and the uh, on the Aussie jobs numbers that came out the lab, the Aussie to come back they were expecting 20,000 doesn't sound like a whole lot but they got 26,000 you're starting to see this good growth so it's elevating these energy prices so even though I think we should see a pullback in relation to where the dollar is we haven't, I think we will see a pullback but people are just going with it and so I think they're, they're as far as credibility I think it's just being aided because the the market's holding these these prices up and they're saying, hey, look, as long as we don't cheat, we're getting paid paid very very well. So I think it's really more or less uh, the outlook for global economy more so than what these guys are doing credibility wise. All right, uh, now, Paulie, you mentioned that uh, you're the early bird. You are an early bird. All right, what overnight reports have you found continue to have effects? going into the US session generally for me it's it's um, what I look at is any data that comes out uh, for the eurozone that is centered or with Germany because it's all about Germany right now the euro it tried we had some support there you know from uh, that 1838 ish 1854 area and it looked like the euro may may, may bounce I'm talking about actually I'm at 17 uh, 17 uh, before then when it first initially had broken down and it looked like we might get a decent decent bounce but the the concerns are now with that uh, the Italian uh, trying to put that government together between the the five star and the and the uh, the league the one that's uh, they call it the, the, the league which is uh, anti-immigrant and there's concerns there and now they're, uh, that weighed on the euro this morning but really for what I usually generally focus on that has me uh, at the forefront is any data that concerns Germany when, when the German data that comes out because they they are the driver if, if Germany's not going that's the only thing that counts and like I said uh, you know for the last three months we were getting weak German data and then it kept, went a little bit further and the last time they got some pretty bad data I think it was it might have been the retail sales uh, the Bundesbank was saying or some representative was saying hey you know then they started pointing towards the potential issues with all these sanctions and and they said it's impacting their outlook blah 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 and so forth and then then we ended up seeing the euro come back down if you're if you're trading overnight you got to focus on on when the German data comes out because that's what actually pushes and drives this, drives this euro or conversely or inversely, however you want to say it, drives and ultimately ends up driving the dollar index because the euro comprises 56.5% of the cash dollar index. So basically you can trade those two inverse of, of the other one. But to me, it's always the German data. You'll see other data that comes out from the Eurozone, and it'll move the market here, a blip here, a blip there. But it's really the German data that really sets the tone of looking out or changes it. Thanks, Paul. Now, Paul, you trade gold. Gold, uh, mm -hmm. huge market here. Um, has uh, in, in 2017 in 2017 uh, China and India were big big buyers sort of cooling off just a little bit uh, what's your take on gold and where are we going with this well we've come into a pretty good area here and I pointed that out to some people um, and 
this 1289, that was a huge pivot on the way up. When, when, remember when gold was trading the low 11s and moved up a little bit higher and got up to 1215, 1220? I remember when it made it up to 1289. This was like, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago. And then the market had a pretty good reaction back to the downside. So we came back down this 1289. That, I have it marked in crimson. Just basically, to me, it's, it's a pivot. Okay? And 1288 is the 61% of the move. Uh, from 1239 to 1369. So that's in the June gold. So this area, we've already dropped here from a technical standpoint, had a pretty good drop. I think we're overdone. This morning, I pointed out to some people that um, gold is positively diverging from the dollar. Here's the dollar trying to push up higher bonds, 30-year bonds going lower, but the gold's trying to push up. I think the gold's a little bit overdone here. I'm no fan of the gold. I just uh, I just look at the levels because I think it, it's very, very liquid. It's a great market to go on and trade. Um, you have the opportunity to trade the big contract. You can trade the mini contract, and the liquidity is fantastic. And you get, you get nice little intraday moves, whether you're trying to scalp it or day trade it. This morning we were – well, yesterday we had our buy chart support at 1285. Um, this 1285 got as low as the 1284s, and I was telling the people, I go, we moved our buy chart support this morning to 1284. I like that level here. I think we're overdone. If – I think that uh, when you look intraday at the dollar, it's it's trying to hang on around these levels. Gold's trying to positively diverge. We did get a, a little quick pop. I think it, um, if the dollar starts to pull back – the next key level for the uh, gold is going to be 1301. But just above it for today, our buy chart resistance today is 1296. I think you'll see a quick spring up to that 1296-ish area. And then uh, once we can get past this week, if they feel like they, they can defend this, and especially if we get a daily close on Friday above 1289, then I think gold can start to work higher. And the next key challenge area is one that's been a little area that's held this market, which is 1307 to 1309. That will be the area that they'll want to go to and test over the next, I don't know, a uh, couple of weeks or so. Uh, also, I do see that you trade the S&Ps. Uh, not too much. It, I haven't traded. I, uh, I okay. do the analysis on the S&Ps, but I haven't traded them, you know, in quite a while. Yeah. All right. Uh, got a question here in the Forex. Now, do you use futures volume as a proxy or do you use volume in your setups? I use I use a market profile. I use that, and I and that works out very very well with gold. Um, uh, the market profile, and also I look at uh, volume on a weekly on gold. And I'll tell you what, we we were showing that just a couple of uh, earlier in the week. I think it was just this last week. We point out thirteen twenty six in the market at the time. The market was right there thirteen twenty six. I looked on a 30-minute chart, but have it segmented for the, each week, and 1326 was sticking out like you can see how thick that line was. I had it uh, horizontally, and uh, we had had our resistance, I think, the day before, like at 25 or 24. So I was like, okay, hey, look at this 1326. I was showing everybody in the webinar, and I said, we might be able to get past $2, I mean, to $28. To $28, I go, the thing just went to 26 and just, I think it took it out by 40 cents. It hung around there, and a whap. It just started sliding down, and look what we are now. But I tell you what, uh, volume analysis on the gold, if you use market profile, works fantastic. It also works pretty good in the euro, but I tell you what, it works. gold trades very well, technically speaking. I think, like I said, you can't beat the liquidity, right. the response to the technicals, whether you're day trading it or trying to scalp it. It's a very, very good market. One of the things that attracted me to that. All right. Um, how about the Forex? Forex um, volume. Uh, for the currencies? 
Uh, Volkswagen has really taken off. I saw a report coming out of Reuters, uh, which is this, uh, in, in April, really took off. Well, that's to sensible because you saw where the cable went to and then turned around and gave up all those gains because that was built in. We were, you know, we started out week in the beginning of the year. Uh, we had that extended winter that was impacting uh, UK construction was, you know, in the dumps. Um, retail sales was weak and they said, okay, we're going to get past this winter. And then um, Carney came out and he's suggesting, you know, they're going to raise on the next upcoming meeting. He certainly suggested that. And so the, the cable just took off. A lot of funds went long big time and boy, did we make one heck of a run, and then we turned around and gave it all back as data started coming out showing, well, they, you know, they've had inflation, but they're not having any wage inflation, and then the numbers came up, kept, started to turn around coming in much weaker, and then uh, Carney disappointed the market by indicating, no, that's, you know, that's just uh, what we were looking at. It's really much further out, and um, so now the thought is maybe they'll raise in August, but it almost looked like it was a sure done and deal sure done deal for them to raise a man that was not going to be the case a matter of fact they ratcheted down their gdp outlook so that really took the uh the cable for a, a pretty good little dump here what's a, what is a key number what i'm looking at right now also and it's finally come to uh, come about has been the dollar yen where the key area right now which was 1066 1088 is a 61 percent of the entire move of 464 to 1474 the dollar yen is always traded inversely to the third year bond. I always tell people, my little saying I say, I used to say, it's all about the ZBs. Now, I know a lot of people, most people look at the, at the ZN, the 10-year, but it finally has responded very, very well. And it's amazing to think how far the ZN had fallen, and now we came back and we were struggling in that 108, 107 area. We got well above it, but we're at a very key juncture here. 1066 and 1088 to 61%. And unless the bonds are going to take another leg down, I think that, you know, we've pretty come a long ways and probably do for a little bit of a pullback that probably take us down to about 841. All right. now, you've mentioned uh, indicators. Uh, now, each of us, we're all a f different fingerprint as far as trading style. Um, mm -hmm. You talk about uh, the FIBs. You just mentioned market profile. Uh, also here you see trading style, FIB retracements. Uh, can you give us a, a, a little indication or a little help, a little tip on um, what in uh, what indicators? What indicators uh, will work for us? And uh, how many indicators do we need? How many times do we uh, have too many indicators? There's there's a lot going on here uh, for the formula of uh, actually seeing the market correctly. Well, uh, <clears throat> I've used it on just about every indicate in the toolbox and then some and i'll tell you what it sounds you hear people say it all the time it's the truth you got to keep it simple uh you end up with that you know uh analysis paralysis i keep mine simple i just go by the levels and people say oh yeah okay go by look i don't put my i don't put my resistance on my on my uh support on the high uh the high you know bar or the low bar because actually how many people sold the top and how many people actually bought the bottom so i run my resistance and support whether it's on a uh and when the time frames i look at my long time frame i don't use four hour charts except for the the 30-year bond is always two hours because with a with a two-hour chart you're going to get 
you're ultimately going to get 12 bars in this session. So you have more chance to go in and react to something like that or see something uh, develop. I can always flip it to a four-hour if I want to see something. But I go with, uh, I put my resistance and support across the bodies. I do, I go across as many touches, what I call touches, and you can see, uh, and if you keep it simple, and I don't want to say simple, but if you're looking at just mainly the levels and those support or resistance levels where they're trading in zones, you can see the market develop and go and attack to a new zone or it breaks and ends up moving to a lower target. As far as analysis, well, the Fibonacci, that's just going to be on the high, the low, whether it's a retracement. Uh, you can look for the major ones. We said 38%, a 61%. The only other technical indicator I use is exponential moving averages, and I use that on an hourly I do use it on a 10-minute, but I use it on an hourly. The exponential, I use two, and they, you know, they really work very, very well. Actually, quite often I end up not trading, you know, going along with that, but it keeps me out of trouble. Sometimes, I'm, you know, when you're thinking, okay, this market is way too overbought, and, and uh, but what does the exponential moving average tell you? It's still on the buy, and you see the market come back down, and it ends up supporting in that area and then you see the market turn around re-engage itself and, and take off but more often than not where the exponential moving averages using two of them help me is because sometimes you'll be in a buy and you'll see the market pull back and then the, the faster moving average does not cross as slower moving average or uh, slower exponential moving average and, I, and sometimes what I call it, they, it kisses it and it still remains on the buy mode and you see the market just go with the momentum and more often than not, um, it's, it's not that it's simple, it's not simple in any way whatsoever, but these markets just trade from level to level and sometimes it, some people think it's something magical or some uh, mystery box or something you have to, look, they just move from level to level, one to one level is defended then the market pushes beyond that, and it goes to shoot for the next level, the next target. So sometimes, myself included, we make things too complicated, and you just have to find the time frame that works for you for the time that you can be in the market and also what matches your risk tolerance and uh, see what works. And, and sometimes you get in the markets like, like here with the euro where, you know, the market just goes and goes and goes and um, there's no pullback. And you'll get into times where, just like when the euro was trading around 123, 124, you go back and forth and you're trading in a, a market where, you know, you're just basically selling resistance, buying support. But once things flip around you and you see it from a daily level where it's hitting levels or weekly and uh, you, you break some key zones, you have no choice but to go with the market. And I'm not good at just going with the market. I'm always like to jump in and try and fade it and get too cutesy. And sometimes that works, and sometimes you have to respect the technicals, and that's what I do with my uh, exponential moving averages. All right. All right. Thanks, Polly. Polly, what's your take on the newest or maybe we can say hottest investment going forward? What do, what do you see as a 2018 hot trade? Well, I really don't have any hot trades. I mean, I don't, I, I, you know, uh, probably, uh, you know, as uh, you mentioned, is that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if I'm coming into the market every day, I'm just looking what, where the markets are setting up as far as, as far as levels. Uh, and where the next, uh, if, if, if there's going to potential breakout, like in, like what I was telling you right now, where I'm seeing the dollar, we're still up here. I mean, you have to be crazy to be selling the dollar, but I'm just looking at you know potential divergences. And the most thing you could go, the best thing you can do instead of trying to, and I'm, I'm talking about someone out there is, and I'm not the one that has a whole lot of it, is to be patient and to, and to allow these trades to set up. And it's better. Um, a gentleman was asking me this morning. Uh, 
gold had just come down to 1284, and I said, hey, that's a very good support level. He goes, are you buying now? And I go, well, you know what, I'll tell you what. And I go, I'm going to wait for this dollar to prove itself. Uh, reminds me what Art Cashin says, second mouse gets the cheese, and I'm tired of being the first mouse. So you kind of want to wait till you get some momentum going your way. Uh, and that's what I think with the dollars. Like I said, it's uh, the dollar Swiss, until we get a daily close above part 35, I think that it's a question mark whether this dollar can move a whole lot higher unless bonds break again. Actually, where bonds are at right now, that dial index should be at 94. Um, and I have resistance at 94.02, but I think today, maybe we can make a marginal high today. Uh, the only thing is, it kind of concerns me, is that if you're doing it here on a Thursday and we can't pull back in the dollar and we haven't done it, and usually if you're going to see a pullback in the dollar, we're already doing it at this time of the day. So people aren't going to stand in the way, like, uh, like uh, 50 Pips likes to say, don't fight the Friday flows. So... People aren't going to take the other side on a Friday. They'll just say, you know what, I'll just come back on Monday and I can start fresh. So we may not see that. You have to be, you have to be patient. You can jump in and dance around with gold here on some of these resistance and support levels, but you have to respect where the market is overall, and these markets do react. And basically, I mean, when Paul Tudor Jones from that famous video says it all works like a matrix. You know what I mean? You see, you see bonds going lower, then uh, you know, rates going higher. You get, then ultimately you see gold react that way, and the dollar ends up going the other direction. You know what I mean? And then you get these little intraday corrections and moves. But uh, as I mentioned, I try and keep it simple. I don't have any like, this is my hot trade. The only thing I will point out right now is uh, that I'm kind of focused on right now is would be the dollar yen because unless uh, the only the upside stretch on the dollar yen, I think it'd be, and I'm looking on a two-hour chart, is 11.12. So anywhere up in here, I don't see if it can make it up to 11.66. But like like I said, going into a Friday, I don't think anybody's going to fight this. But I think we could see a decent pullback. That'd be the only one I'd be focusing on because now it's finally reacting to moves in the bond market. It's back to doing that. Yeah, Paul. Now. Your take on the market's very positive. You've got a great vision. Uh, taking a look down the road, two years, five years, ten years, uh, let's add the word algo in there. Where are we going to be? Well, I think that there's still, you know, I think, uh, you know, I've seen quite a few little documentaries when they, uh, for people that were on the floor and they had a hard time uh, adjusting to uh the way the markets trade electronically. And to me, I think, you know, a lot of people point out you can't survive because of these machines, you have to adjust to the way these markets go on in trade. And I think that there's still, there's still a lot of movement. There's people that I follow and they, they do well because they just adjust to what the market gives them. You can't impose, you know, what, what, what we believe or how a market should, should go on in trade. So the markets go through, through, uh, Sometimes, like I said, we're, we're in these trending markets. Sometimes we turn around and we flip, uh, uh, and then we're going, you know, basically support and resist, support resistance, or fake breakouts is basically a fake out, and the market comes back in. And I think uh, one of the things that uh, I've talked to other people, and they say the same thing, is um, the people that do really well are those that focus in about four markets. You might stretch it out to six if you you hold trades for several days or weeks or something like that. But to me, I think. You 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 want to you want to look at uh, at the overall view of the market, but the people that seem to do very well are the ones that focus um, focus on maybe about four core markets. 
and okay. that's it. They can, I mean, you can have FX, you can be looking at cable, whatever, or the dolly M, which I don't pay as much attention to, but you can look for what's happening in other markets. One of the things is like with the Aussie, uh, it's not making new lows, and it was the one that was really you know, falling all apart. And it's diverging a little bit because you know now we have that, that inverse of rates between the Aussie paper and uh, U.S. paper, but it's no longer moving any lower. So that's what I'm saying is, so most of my stuff is just focused for very, very short term. Sometimes I'll look out maybe my long term for me is really like about three weeks or something like that. So I don't have like necessarily hot trades. The only thing I will say is I think that FX now, if you're talking about a hot trade or hot trend, it's FX now. Finally, after in 2012 and 13, the doldrums were so bad it was terrible. And really, hadn't improved all that much. Now I think this is a year that you're going to see some very good volatility in FX because I think you're going to see a lot of back and forth just about the time the jobs are ready, ready to break out and everybody's worried about the Fed. Then you might see the U.S. You know, the Fed start to rain in a little bit, and you'll swing back the other way. So I think you'll be seeing good volatility. If there's a hot trade, I'd say it'd be FX uh, for, for the 2018. You're going to see some very good volatility and opportunities uh, in FX. So you're seeing it right now with the dollar yen. I think right. it, it it punished a lot of people once we got past this 107 and a half, and here we are, uh, almost at 111 now. Right. Yeah, Paul. Now you you do a daily webinar. And uh, if you could break it down a little bit, tell us about what goes into it, uh, what you talk about, uh, what you go over each day, and why it's important for traders to know. Well, uh, we cover several markets. At first, you know, we just cover FX, and then I had some people say, why don't you add this, and why don't you add that? So we cover the majors, Euro, um, Cable, Aussie, Kiwi, CAD, Swiss and yen and cash dollar index. We even covered the Bitcoin uh, gold Bitcoin futures. We do cover gold, 30-year, the Boon, uh, S and P's, Nas, uh, as well as DAX and crude. Uh, but uh, when we first come on the show, we, we we do a quick overview of where the markets are. We have everything on one screen. We can hit it real quick, and then we look at the news that came in over the night. Uh, that uh, has impacted the market or maybe impacting it going forward, uh, which is our news out of Europe and what we expect today. And then we cover uh, some general news. I pull off a Reuters, my Reuters feed, and then we start on the buy chart. And the buy chart, uh, like I said, um, the support and resistance levels are really set up for the next 24 hours, but our outlook is basically you know, two to three days out. So it's very short-term oriented. Um, but as I mentioned, we cover you know the majors and then um, the key futures as the the gold and the T bonds and then the, and, and bonds. Uh, bonds are a crazy market, um, uh, very difficult. Can be a difficult market to go on in trades, and that's why I say I think that when you want to be successful, you want to don't don't spread yourself so far out. Um, of course, when you first start learning, you can't help but do that. But you have to find out those markets that you seem to like. So for some people, they love to trade the cable. Obviously, I like the euro because the liquidity, but uh, find those markets that, you know, maybe you might trade a little bit of gold or find a market that, that works very well with your own risk tolerance and your own outlook, and uh, from there, you eventually may test other markets and find a core of, you know, maybe four markets that you feel very comfortable trading. At that point, then you can delve further into it where you're looking at market profile or looking at or just straight up volumes and try to tie those into your intraday analysis or just day trading or 
trays that you hold for a couple of days or whatever, and I think that's the best way to go and do it. But I would say if you're saying the hot market, it's going to be FX because you're being impacted as these U.S. interest rates. It's certainly impacted emerging market currencies, which I don't trade, but they certainly drive the dollar index even further, and that's where you see these moves that extend even beyond what most people would think they'd go out to. Fantastic. Pauly Franco. Don't forget that name. Pauly, where can people find you online? Uh, but, uh, I'll post a few things on Twitter. I even post the bias chart. It's uh, at SPZ underscore trader. And then also uh, the Wise Trade webinars, a free daily webinar. It's been, they've been doing Wise Trade webinars for over 10 or 12 years. And uh, um, uh, we have a gentleman that uh, does it, you know, during the European session, very on, on at 1, uh, 1 a.m. Central Standard Time. I do it uh, some 6 to 8. And then uh, Kip Cohen, uh, he does it, uh, does stocks. And then we have Stephen Bilby that does uh, um, commodities and options. And it's uh, free. It's all day long. They even have it. It's called the, the Closing Bell for Indices. So uh, very informative show, and the good thing is it's free. You can't beat that. Fantastic. Paulie, thank you very much for being with us here. And hopefully down the road I'll give you a call and we can uh, do an update podcast, see how you're doing, see what's going on, and uh, get your vision of the markets. Okay, great. Yeah, it was great joining you guys. All right, fantastic. Paulie Franco, hey, take care, my friend. Thank you again. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, nighttime, daytime, whatever time. I tell you, Paulie loves to trade. Uh, he's got some nice connections. He's got some uh, great feeling for the market. I'm really glad that we got him on to talk about uh, some of these markets that I don't experience. But, you know, Sean, uh, being the broadcaster here with, uh, with me at Top Step Trader, uh, I do find that uh, you've got some good knowledge on the overnight. Tell us about your experiences with the European session to the U.S. session. Well, European session to U.S. session, there's an overlap, a time when London's active and the U.S. is active. And it, it gets um, – there's a lot of traders in the market from you know there and here. So the transition in volume is interesting. The, the transition in price at different levels, the overnight highs, overnight lows get hit and uh, or get tested at least. Sometimes in the U.S. session, they fade away. So overnight levels can be very important, and currencies really like to move in the uh, European session as well. So good time for traders uh, to – to take advantage of some explosive moves. Right. Now, you know, I always notice, too, before I come in here, I take a look at the charts before I do the broadcast, and you see the range uh, in the European market, the overnight market, much, much bigger. Now, is this due to, uh, I'm going to say, less of a defensive move for an opposition trader? Uh, for an opposition trader? Uh well, it, it can be a defensive move, maybe, but it's just like the daytime session. You're going to find your entries, however your setup is based, and uh, you're going to get you know you're going to get some volatility in the overnight. And uh, sometimes it's sometimes it's big, sometimes it's not as much as the U.S. session when they pick up and bring in the volume. But there are moves nonetheless, and so you can certainly pick out some good levels and stake out a position. Right, and uh, you know what? Uh, from the European session to the U.S. session. How much of a difference is it for your trading style? Mm. Well, for my trading style, 
now that I'm using the tick charts. I don't trade the overnight because really, um, although there's movement in price, sometimes there's not a lot of movement in volume. Certainly not. I mean, there's more than the Asian session. Now, give it that. But the U.S. session is the big mother when it comes to uh, all of the uh, the trading that happens. And certainly, you can see that in the volume. But um, position-wise, you're going to see charts that will set up for you just fine in the overnight. So, um, But for me, the tick charts, they just don't paint enough bars for me to, to, to get into the bond market. Okay. Now, now, Paulie mentioned, uh, he was talking about you know, some of the markets that he had. He trades the Forex, crude oil, gold, SPs, and such. Um, he likes to focus on a lot of markets. Now, I know that a lot of our traders uh, just getting in to the business as a possible career, possible side job. You know, I've noticed a lot of our traders, they try to watch too many markets. Now, uh, I know Paul watches, he, I think he mentioned, I watch everything, um, which is good because he's a professional. This is uh, something that uh, he is putting food on the table, paying the bills and, and so forth and making a good living at it. Um, now, for uh, for a new trader uh, with, uh, with just starting out, what are some of the... Uh, the tips I know that uh, what Paulie told us, but what could you add to that as far as somebody finding a comfortable market? Well, a comfortable market, you got to find, you know, the certain chart types that you like. And there's a varied amount of chart types, you know, whether it's minute or tick or Winko or whatever. But every market has its own little distinct animalisms, its own behavior. And you got to find a market that behaves the way that you want it to. It's either going to be very dicey and you like the mix and you're going to get in there and go for it, or you like it just slow enough and it's going to pull back and get a nice little retrace and do its thing. Um, whatever kind of trader you are, breakout trader, range trader, whatever, you're going to, you're going to see that. You're, you're going to see the chart, but pick a first market. Don't one, two, three, four. Oh, look, a kid in a candy store. Look at how many charts I can put up on my window. Don't do that. Focus on one. Learn right. that one really good. All right. And um, I think that uh, just talking with Paulie, Paulie's got the sense of, uh, you know, when I was on the trading floor, he's got that uh, that trader trading floor trader mentality i really enjoyed talking with him because it, it was like a conversation that i was on the trading floor um now his trading style fibs retracements he likes the fibonacci lines to enhance probabilities uh what's your take on fib fib lines Fibonacci's, they're they're good. I like to use them in the higher time frames. They get a little dicey using them in the smaller time frames, but they're levels. Um, not to say that I mean there are Fibonacci traders such as uh, Polly and, and others that I know, but um, they're more of a reference level for me as opposed to a target or an entry level. It's just something that uh, if, it, if it lines up with something on the screen, you can go, hey, there's something here possibly. We've got to watch what happens when price gets to this level. Right. I wouldn't, um, yeah. And so that's how I would use Fibs. I just kind of interesting points of reference, at least in my view. All right. Um, if you're interested in checking out Pauly, he's on Twitter, Pauly, at SPZ underscore uh, Trader, T-R-A-D-E-R. -E Sean, I really appreciate you coming on here and uh, giving us some feedback. I appreciate that. You got it. For those that are listening, you can catch Sean and myself each and every day on our Top Step Trader broadcast. But uh, thanks again, Sean. You got it, Eddie. Looking forward to tomorrow. Cool. All right, traders, as always, thanks for spending time with us. Give us feedback on any of our interviews at Limit Up 
at topsteptrader.com. And if you have time, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Thank you so much. See everyone next time. Take care, Sean. Take care, Eddie. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.